Welcome to the WP Tonic This Week in WordPress and SaaS podcast, where Jonathan Denwood interviews the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing to help WordPress professionals launch their own SaaS. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic This Month in WordPress and Tech. This is episode 781. This is one of the longest-running, continuous-running shows that specialise in the professional WordPress space. And I feel feel that way. Uh, um, it goes on and on and on. Uh, um, but we've got a great panel. We've got some great stories. We've got some great special guests. I'm going to let um, one of the special guests introduce themselves. Let's start with Katie. Katie, would you like to introduce yourself to the tribe? Yeah. Hey, everyone. I'm Katie Keith, uh, co-founder and CEO at Bantu Plugins. So we're a plugin company. We have 23 plugins at the moment, most of which are WooCommerce related. Right. I've got my friend Tom. Tom, would you like to introduce yourself? Tom Finelli from Convesio, and we specialize in hosting scalable e-commerce and membership sites. Great to Oh, thank you, Tom. And I've got my friend Heather. Heather, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Heather Wild-Renzi. I am the CTO of The Difference Consulting, and I am the author of Birth of a Unicorn. I've got the only, there is only one, Spencer Forum. Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself? I feel like we're two-thirds of the way to a reunion of WordCamp. Tom, were you at WordCamp? Did I miss you at WordCamp? I was, and how did I miss did. that beard? I don't, I don't know, man. I was, I was all over the place. It's a beast, isn't it? I, yeah. I, I'm really impressed with that beard. I'm impressed. He's a got beard. a very, by the way, very handsome black and white photo because the hair and the beard—you look very distinguished. I appreciate. Well, it. thank you. That's wonderful. Uh, anyway, Spence from WPLaunchFi.com, not drinking bourbon or bowling with Katie Keith, and not chilling with my man Kurt. But I wish I was. And I've got my. F- co-host, my normal co-host of the other WP Tonic WordPress podcast. I've got Kurt. Kurt, would you like to introduce yourself? Absolutely, Jonathan. Kurt Von Annen, uh, own Manana Nomas. We focus largely on membership and learning sites, and I work directly with WP Tonic and Lifter LMS. And I must say, Tom's beard is impressive. I am jealous. Yes, <laughs> it's a beast, as we would say in London. It's a beast. Our, um so what we're going to be discussing in this show, listeners and viewers, well, we've got to be discussing some drama in the WordPress space. You know, what a big surprise. I call it no. Sar- I'm calling it Sarigate. Uh, um, um, we're going to be talking about Elon Musk and the new unofficial biography of him. We're going to be talking about Apple's latest event and a couple other WordPress stories. It should be a great show. Got a great panel, but before we go into the meat and potatoes, I've got a couple um, adverts from our major sponsors. We We will be back in a few moments, folks. Are you looking for ways to make your content more engaging? Sensei LMS by Automatic is the original WordPress solution for creating and selling online courses. Sensei's new interactive blocks can be added to any WordPress page or post. For example, interactive videos let you pause videos and display quizzes, lead generation forms, surveys, and more. For a 20% off discount for the tribe, just use the code WPTONIC, all one word, when checking out and give Sensei a try today. We're coming back, folks. 
I just want to say we've got some great special offers from the sponsors, plus a curated list of the best WordPress plugins for any project that you might be building for clients or for yourself, stopping you from having to trawl the internet, saving you time. How considerate of me. Uh, um, to get all these goodies, all you have to do is go over to wp-tonic.com slash deals. wp-tonic.com slash deals. And you find all the goodies there. What more could you ask for? Probably a lot, but that's all you're going to get. So um, let's, go, let's go in to our first story, which is... Um, it was started off with a story on the tavern. Um, developers claim damage, trust following public confrontations with WordPress leadership and water cool- cooler, which is uh, another um, WordPress um, podcast that aims at the professional market. Um, one of the commentators then um they had a show afterwards, and um, one of the commentate, one of the hosts of the show, Sari Reed, um, had a rant that went on for about an hour and ten minutes, basically. Um, so, um, Katie, I think we we'll start with Katie. What, what did you make of it all? I, I, I am conflicted. I've never felt so conflicted about something in all my years, really. Oh, you're muted. I think Matt's muted you. Sorry. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. It started off as a relatively sensible debate where people made some good points about the consequence of moving the plugin directory from .org and copying it onto .com and using it to upsell .com and the SEO implications. And that fine. People could have a debate. And then it got nasty, didn't it? And um, Matt Mullenweg basically, when somebody would make a criticism about this policy, um, he would attack them, well, their businesses, not so not personally, but he would do what wasn't a very professional attack on their businesses. So he seemed to be Googling people like and just looking for something wrong. Like there was one person who had said that they had 100,000 installs and he was like, no, you only have 900, um, like really petty, like in the playground. There was another person who misspelled WordPress, which I know is a cardinal offence, but it didn't... Uh, would, as, a dyslexic, as a dyslexic, I would never do that. I would never spell it rods, but there we go. Yeah, but it was things like that. It, he wanted to, he was picking at people's businesses and really great people, respect people in the community instead of engaging with the debate. And that's led to a lot of loss of trust within the community and thinking who's leading this is, you know, who elected him. And Zach Katz wrote a very good blog post on his blog about how he feels about that, and in particular, drawing attention to the fact that he said that Matt Mullenweg had broken the WordPress code of conduct and that therefore action should be taken, which is now officially being investigated. Apparently, they've, in the last day, replied to the people who complained. Well, they're going to the, the Seth Lord of WordPress, Otto. They're going to get Otto to be the head of the investigation. Yeah, the I don't know Lord where the whistleblowing goes. Oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, it evolved a lot, didn't it, into more and more control. Obviously. Which is not surprising, really. Um, 
Um, Heather, what you know? As a, what did you make of all this, Heather? Your, your moody ten. Yeah, I mean. Oh, you're loud. I, you're loud. Oh, I'm sorry. Your mic. <laughs> yeah, I'll move it farther away. Um, I don't. I don't know. I mean, you know, this WordPress community is is kind of. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that there's a. I think they did some good SEO. I think you're looking for the word bonkers, isn't it? Well, I no, I delicate. Yeah, I mean. Like if they're going to pay the money to get themselves in, ahead in the search results, <laughs> then there's I mean, it all comes down to money and who has it. So that, that's that's what it looked like to me. All right, um, I was in a difficult position, Spencer, because obviously over the last couple of years we've discussed the realities of this community. Um, so in some ways, I was really shocked by what was said on the WP water cooler because they seemed to be surprised about the realities. But then it was point. Um, I had a discussion um, with somebody else, and they pointed out that people are really, really passionate, and they really, really think it's a, a totally open source project, and they're. They they really donate a lot of time and energy, and I, I just felt I just had accepted the realities of the project almost three years ago, so I wasn't shocked at all. So I was a little bit the whole thing puzzled me, but then it was pointed out to me other people hadn't you know this is only my opinion, Spencer hadn't hadn't accepted the reality of the project. Is that making sense, Spencer? I mean, a couple things, yes, but it's like historically, you have to go back to maybe like the Chris Pearson incident. Matt Mullenweg is Matt Mullenweg, and he's been bullshitting everybody in public since those days. I'm just going to call it as it is. The real Matt Mullenweg is not the guy who puts on the, you know, the, 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 the facade of calm demeanor. So on a personality level, this incident triggered two or three other incidents. And there was, I, I'm mispronouncing her name, but one of the WordPress major contributors posted subsequently this. And he took a shit on her head in public. That's, by the way, French. But he did things that nobody should do to anybody in a contributor world, but to be the head of the project, the figurehead, he just took a shit on top of her head in public and everybody, including people that we're familiar with, I think it was crystal clear he was off his medication or something because I don't understand what led him to do that. It was so, so I think that's the incident that uh, Katie. Oh, I know. To, I know. Yeah, I it's forgot good. to mention that blocking her. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's, just called, like it's the, called whiskey. It's called whiskey. <laughs> the subs. I like whiskey. It doesn't make me do that. I like whiskey. Subsequent, the subsequent thing, I think that's what Zach Katz was also was referring to is that like, that's the violation. So like, just to bring it in for a landing, there's a couple things that are clear. A, we need to seek alternative ownership and leadership from within the .org community. 
It's just crystal clear because we are at war for anybody who cares. Now, I'm going to clarify war. We're at war with what dot-com and automatic and everybody else is doing because their interests are clearly aligned in taking all of the assets and contributions that have been given under false pretenses, at least for the last few years. I mean, originally, I think it was sincerely, let's all go get it. But it's very clear the last three, four years, anybody who contributes to .org has rules for thee, but not for me. So you can't market yourself. You can't put your stuff in. You can't be indexed. You can't be found. Matt and everybody make rules and auto enforces it with a stick to cripple anybody in the repository or from doing this, or if you say the wrong word, then he goes out and publicly shames you. At the same time, they take all your shit and put it over in .org and get SEO benefits from all that comes from it. And then there was further things for many of the contributors where on .com, guess what there is when you go to the free plugins page? There's an upsell for automatic products. Oh, big surprise right on the page. And you get WordPress.com hosting. Big surprise. So the solution to this is simple. It's not a war because we're completely empowered. Matt Mullenweg's Achilles heel is open source is open source. When we decide to lead ourselves and do what we want, and that's what I'm doing on my part of WordPress as a service, we can decide what the consumers get and how they get it because we can take all the stuff that they do and use it the other direction. And that's what he's setting up, unfortunately. If anybody is awake, it is crystal clear that he has no intention of acting with good faith towards anybody who's a contributor. He does it for his friends, his favorite henchmen, and for whoever business associates are related to either Audrey Capital, uh, Automatic, or his personal interests and in whatever else is going on behind the scenes. And then he's also disingenuous as well about the tax benefits and so forth because he started beating up people about how much their corporations contribute, including there was the other thing about the hosting. They, they pulled another host off of that page and put WordPress.com in there and like tried to claim that they're not taking tax benefits. So it just goes on and on. For me, I say it with like a little asterisk because I'm not surprised. I've been calling this since the early days because he's not really good to me at hiding it. But everybody thinks he's this like awesome human being. He's very, very flawed in the regard to how he portrays himself versus how he acts. And this well, is revealing the truth. Yeah, but most of us are very flawed today, aren't we? I mean, just we, we just the big difference here is we can do stuff about this. This isn't licensing. It's not like Microsoft Windows 95 or something or Apple's licensed products. We can do stuff to, to counteract this. Right, yeah. Okay. Hey, Tom, sorry, Tom. I got it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to let you speak, Tom. I'm just going to put this to you, Tom. I agreed with a little bit. I agreed with about a third of what Spencer had to say, but I, I really don't see it as a win or lose situation. Um, I really think the reality of uh, automatic taking almost $900 million of investment getting close to a billion dollars in six is six um, investment rounds is the reality. And .com, um, I, I would prefer .com to be a, a quality competitor to Squarespace than Wix than what it is at the present moment. Um, I just think he's got different buckets of 
individuals in the world, you know, different constituencies that he has to play. Is this making any sense, Tom? Well, I, yeah, you're sort of kind of bumping up against what I was going to say, which is, you know, um, you had phrased something in that question about like, you know, is this really open source? I mean, it's open source in the sense that you do, Spencer, have people like GoDaddy and, you know, uh, Newfold, Bluehost, those guys investing a significant amount of money to make WordPress their primary like page builder and, and all that stuff. So you do have other companies doing that. And I, I do want to remind people that despite everything you said about, you know, um, Matt, there is really no, like, it's not, it, it's not a person's implied right to have their plugin promoted by another commercial company like Automatic and, and WordPress.com. And it is open source, so it can be utilized by them just the way you'd said, which I, I think it's an interesting idea to have like another entity that's competing with Automatic almost in the WordPress space for investment and leadership. I'm just not so sure how, you know, how, how much of a reality that'll be. The other thing too is, you know, the alternative to this is like, look at what's happening with other open source platforms. They're dying. Okay. Joomla. Oh gosh. I don't even want to say, I don't want to name names because I'm going to get hate mail. Drupal and Joomla. Okay. I don't want to name names, but there are other open source platforms withering on the vine Right. And one of the reasons WordPress is so good is because Automatic and these big behemoths have invested money into funding the open source developers. The alternative, alternative of this is a completely for-profit closed architecture system like a Wix and a Squarespace with no community and no developers. And so it's we're very unique in that, and I always am looking for alternatives that are at the scale WordPress is, but we're very unique in that way that it is an open source platform. You can take it and do whatever you want to do with it, but it's got a lot of investment dollars behind it for engineering resources that rival some of the investments that closed source companies are, you know, are, are investing. And so when I read things about people like you know, some of the people's comments on that, one of the comments was someone was like, yeah, I gave up on WordPress back on version five when they mandated Gutenberg. Well, I mean, progress is gonna happen. You know, it is going to be moved forward because these companies are funding open source developers to work on this. And there is an agenda. I mean, yeah, so Heather, I know you've got to go pretty soon, but Heather, uh, you know, I think it's it makes responsibility because the one thing I do agree with Spencer's um, insights is I think Matt uh, a lot of this has been caused by him, and it was unnecessary. He's he kind of because what is the re what what do you think these people that have almost invested nine hundred million dollars with automatic when you look at the you know, I, my understanding of the um, structure, the company structure, I don't, I was just told this, is it's very similar to the company structure of Facebook, i.e. that Matt has a, his share um, percentage has been diluted, but he has golden shares. So fundamentally, he runs, he has control of everything. But what do you think, 
what do you think the these people that invested nine hundred million dollars are looking for? I mean, they are looking for a way to to say like you can't steal my my work. I mean, I did this for the community and you're doing this for a profit. And I mean, even though doing this for the community mean like may mean that they're they're also trying to get a profit. Like some people are being boosted just because and other people are being pushed down. And um there's no there there's no rhyme or reason as to like who is being like decided as to being boosted or not. I mean it's that's the I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's it's kind of like you have no control over what's going to be pushed or not. And if you don't have marketing money like Automatic does, then you're you're kind of stuck. Even though you're paying for all, I mean, you're you're paying, you're putting your resources, your time, and your money in in your project, and then you still could get squashed by by Matt's whole big thing and people are confused as to like what's the difference between dot com what's the difference between dot org and yeah. it, i mean it, it's always been a uh it's it's always been a problem for for people who are being pushed towards dot org where it's a do it for them kind of thing I, I mean, it's it's such a complicated issue <laughs> Well, easy, but you know what I'd hope was just Joe Saffa when she came on the scene, and she's the executive director of the WordPress project. A very pleasant woman. Uh, I interviewed her. We had, I had a very direct interview. Um, some people said it was a bit too direct, but she seemed okay with it, and she seemed she seems a very nice individual. Um, I'd hoped that her that she would have been able to clarify some of these issues. I, I was told that that's what she wanted to do. Unfortunately, it hasn't panned out, really. Um, I don't know why. I have, I have my own views. So, Kurt, um, it's a bit of a witch's brew, as we would say in the UK, really, isn't it? You know, Jonathan, I listen to everybody's perspectives, and um, hopefully my microphone's not too loud, Spencer. What's that? <laughs> and uh, I listen to everybody's perspectives, and I always go back to, you know, 19 years of working with WordPress, and last year was my first WordCamp US. And so the first person I met was Otto. He was one of the most pleasant people <laughs> I've ever run into. And so it's like, wow, this guy's awesome, you know? And I don't uh, think he, I, don't, I actually takes it as a, a sign of endearment. I call yeah, him the Seth, um, the Seth Lord of WordPress. You the, know? To this day, every time I see him, you know, it's a handshake and good to see you. It's just that he's like this awesome dude. Um, I always worked in WordPress from the position of, this is business. And if someone wants to have a blog site or something, they can go to .com. And if someone wants to have a, a real website, they can come to my agency and I'll build them one. Like I always ran it like a business. And so when I got involved with the community and saw so many people, you know, really 
sold out to the the open source project and the contributions. I know people that develop plugins that take time off from their normal work and make contributions and develop work for WordPress. And so I know, you know, intellectually, I understand that they're making a gift but they want that pat on the back. There's a reason why you're doing something, right? You want the acknowledgement. You want the, you want to be part of the community. And as someone that's a lifetime student of leadership and a consultant with business leadership, I look at some of Matt's behavior and I go, you know what? There is room for leadership training. There's room for how to communicate more effectively. There's room for, but at the end of the day, I still can't help but be empathetic and think of some dude that made code that that started WordPress that that built this thing and he watched it kind of almost grow beyond himself and it's like it's getting taken away and maybe he's like a little kid and he's going this is mine this is mine what why is everyone trying to run my thing but it's a community thing it's open source and that's the path he chose well, as a leader he's got to acknowledge it well that's the problem because it well in my opinion that's the problem because it is and it is an open source so Katie um I don't, I just don't think, I think you were, I think you keyed on. I just don't think the head of the project should go around dumping on people through Twitter, banning people and abusing them on Twitter. Uh, um, basically, I don't think it's a good look, really. It's okay for me to be a, be a bit narky and sarcastic, but, um, but on the other hand, um, the idea that a project that driving almost over 40% of all websites on the internet is going to be volunteered that the leads aren't going to come from automatic that have what Tom have the money or that the leads don't come from the major hosting providers um, to me is fantasy really that's something that you can get you're going to allow volunteers to be leads to me but on the other hand I still think you can have a system where you can have volunteers that have an effective contribution in some ways I just don't understand why this mess has been allowed to continue it doesn't seem to me to benefit anybody really Katie what do you think no, it's just not an appropriate way to communicate whatever your level. And he seems to just not care what people think of him. Like he's the God, he's in power. Nobody can get him out of his role. Um, and he just didn't seem to care. And we're moving on to Elon Musk in a minute, aren't we? And who actually has a similar attitude um, where he often will just say what he thinks on social media. Actually, there's a lot of parallels there, aren't there? It seems, like some, it seems like somebody read him when he gets triggered. It's like somebody prompted him and said, hey, we invested all this money. You need to act like this in public because that's what we want out of the person we invested money in. Because it, it's like a playbook of disrespectful human behavior. You know, Machiavellian is a better to be loved or feared and stuff. But the problem is he has this open source Achilles heel. I wanted to say one last thing before we leave this in relation to what Tom said. I think the difference here is that now that we're 18 years plus down the road, the body of work of the open source plugin is self-sustaining. We no longer need anything from their side in terms of investment. All of the companies, including the hosts, if we worked out the leadership issue, could put the money to the .org side directly and have a responsible board of leadership where we just take the code and run with it. 
because if you think about it, everybody who's being paid, if at all, to contribute on the dot com or wherever that Audrey thing is leading to, it's going to dot com with no benefit to solving the problems the rest of us have in the marketplace. That same money would solve a million problems because one of the things we've been harping on forever is why don't people really get paid salaries to work for automatic or why don't they get paid to work at events? Why are people still painting Matt Mullenweg's fence for free when he's not like Tom Sawyer? He doesn't really make it fun for his friends or the kids and he's beating up innocent contributors in public in a way that's quite misogynistic and evil-minded, if you ask me, or that he's on his, you know, off his meds. So I think that's where the solution lies. Let's take it from dot-com automatic Audrey, and then they'll see where the contributions are really going to a responsible, audited kind of an industry where we all benefit from things like, imagine if all these independent plug-in authors could get a fair shot in being listed in a directory instead of auto moving the chess pieces around or instead of like money being hidden for tax benefits that nobody really sees because Matt plays a game when he's trying to beat somebody up in public. And that's nonsense. You know, we don't have to do it anymore. There's more money for the rest of us by solving our problems that way than pretending that he really has altruistic motives. He doesn't. Right, yeah, I knew it was going to take up a lot, lot of time. That's all I got to say on that. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I thought it was really insightful. I don't totally agree with it, but I, I see where you're coming from. That's 18, uh, 18 years of that. Yeah. Um, we're going to go for a halfway break, folks. We will be back in a few moments. This podcast episode is brought to you by Lifter LMS the leading learning management system solution for WordPress. If you or your client are creating any kind of online course, training-based membership website, or any type of e-learning project, Lifter LMS is the most secure, stable, well-supported solution on the market. Go to lifterlms.com and save 20% at checkout with coupon code podcast 20 that's podcast two zero enjoy the rest of your show we're coming back folks so i just want to point out we've got a great facebook group um community um love you to join it we continue the discussions on that all you have to do is go to facebook and look up wp tonic the membership machine show facebook group join us on that and we love you to do that so let's go on folks um I'm going to cut down some of these stories, um, but let's talk about let's talk about the Apple event, um, which was the iPhone and the iWatch. It lasted for ninety minutes. Well, my there were some bits of it, but I did think ninety minutes. It was one of the biggest yawn fests in the history of Apple. Um, Let's start with Katie again. What was your reaction? At, you know, how they filled in 90 minutes with phones and, and a, I, I do not know, but they managed it. It was very, it was very slick, but it lasted 90 minutes, didn't it? Well, I'm not sure I'm their target audience because while I am an Apple and iPhone user, I'm usually a couple of versions behind and I buy mine on eBay. Um, I I recently got the 13 on eBay, for example, because I just break them straight away. So I don't really care about the latest one. 
But it's interesting they don't even bother to make them look different anymore other than some very subtle colours. Um, like the blue one's not even blue, really, is it? It's just... Um, so they don't seem to be doing what they could to make people excited about the new products. It's very subtle uh, iterations, isn't it? No. So, Tom, what did you reckon of 90 minutes of Apple? Oh, man, you keep choosing these controversial topics for me. You know, I have been an Apple user since the stock was 12 bucks a share. Okay. And believe me, I wish I bought it then because I don't think I'd be here with you guys if I did. Oh, So, I mean, I, you know, I've been an Apple kind of fanboy for a long time, but I did read an article and it's like, you know, you just, we have to sort of realize Apple is not the company that it once was. And that's not to take away from the fact that they're not doing cool stuff and I have all Apple products and, you know, I guess I will get the new iPhone, but it's really become instead of a revolutionary product company, when jobs was around, it's become an evolutionary product company. And there is, it's, it's incremental changes. Now I do still think they have a spirit of pushing the the world forward, whereas most other hardware companies adopt the status quo. Just an example of this is like how they've always put, they've been the first company to really on a mainstream push different, I know it's been a point of frustration for people, but different charging, USB-C, the evolution of USB connections has been driven largely by Apple and their desire to want to maybe not, um, you know, revolutionize the outer experience of using an iPhone, but really make major changes from an engineering perspective with the inside, the internals. And I think a lot of times that stuff is hard to get people who are not technical to even understand what they're doing. You know, um, that, that stuff goes way over most people's heads, what's happening inside the iPhone. So, yeah, I, I mean, if you're looking for like the next big thing from Apple, it's probably very few and far between, unlike when Steve was around. And Well, the headset was supposed to be the big thing, wasn't it? Um, right. But, uh, but I, I have my qualms about that. Well, it's so, cool. It's awesome, but it's ridiculously expensive. I mean, and it is, you know, because of that, it's not yet going to be widely adopted. And so, therefore, the coolness factor of it is going to drop down because I think a device like that is all predicated on all of the other people you're working with have that thing so you can collaborate and communicate in new ways. Yeah, so, Kurt, I think I've been a little bit sarcastic. Amazing, isn't it, Kurt? Um, but 90 minutes, 90 minutes they went on for that was the thing that got me there was some there were some interesting bits but why 90 minutes Kurt you know I'm wondering that myself 
Jonathan, the only reason I watched that 90 minutes on double speed, by the way, that's was, how I watched it. was for this was for the show. Uh, I'm not a I'm not an Apple user myself. I'm a PC kind of guy. Um, but the, gosh, Jonathan, the, these corporations and their propaganda about this net zero stuff and the environment. And the, I'm like, let me get this straight. You're mass producing lithium ion stuff dug up by slave <laughs> child labor in Africa. And now now you want to make this thing out of titanium. So more rare metal stuff that takes more energy to make. And you're going to talk to me about your carbon net zero footprint because you're going to donate billions of dollars to some government thing and buy your carbon credits back. I, I'm tired. I'm wore out. As, as a consumer, show me the shiny piece of stuff. How much is it? What does it do? Do you get my money or not? And, and I don't need 90 minutes of improving the planet and making the next generation a happier generation to know that this is just junk. Well, yeah, I see where you're coming from, but I think saving the saving the planet is a little bit important. But I do, I, I do, I do agree with you. It's just corporate speak, basically. So, Spencer, I, I don't know how they did it. I just don't know how that, how they managed to produce ninety minutes of total fluff. Really, that was the thing. There was some, you know, what was your take on it? I mean, first of all, there was a, a spoof that some guy did on YouTube where he was kind of, you know, all the classic Apple way Steve Jobs would talk and, you know, Tim tries to talk about it too, but he was like, and to save weight, we've removed the camera. We now have a new feature. It's called use your eyes. You use our patented, put your phone in your pocket gesture, and then you use your eyes and your brain to remember things in full brilliant color. I mean, they've taken essentially non-improvements, turned them into something that they're going to charge more for, many of which are ironic. Of course, the USB-C, right? Like everybody was begging, can we please have USB-C? Now they they say, well, you can never have it because our patented connector is better. But okay, fine, Europe's going to crush us. So we're going to give you the USB-C. I mean, I use Apple products. I enjoy the new um, MacBook Air that I replaced my my macbook pro with but i'm like kurt i use a pc as well they're interchangeable the thing that apple's got is the ecosystem of using iMessage and the connectivity between your phone and the device that's incomparable for convenience and anybody who's communicated with that one friend or family member that comes up green in the text messages instead of blue and you realize they're on android you realize how pervasive that is but the rest of it it's tragic. I mean, it really is because we're we're really all addicted to the electronics and there's no way they're going to sell me on the fact that, yeah, some slave labor in China is bettering my environment by making an iPhone in a factory they don't let them out of, you know. Yeah, I thought Kurt, you were spot on there, really, Kurt. Uh, um, let's go on to the next one. This, this was, I want to get to number four and then we'll probably call it a day. Um, on to the next one. Community team invites organizers to apply for home hosting the next generation of WordCamps. Well, Kate, I think it's kind of linked to um, story one. Um, I think in um, in the world of automatic, it's really important to get these WordCamps up and going again. You know, it seems something they're really eager, but um, one side seems to be, because it doesn't, you know, linked to story one, it doesn't really generate um, the people that organise these word camps. It doesn't instill a lot of um, 
warmth about it, does it? You know, um, what do you reckon? Um, I think also word camps, the regional ones, that that there needs to be a slightly different direction. I just, I just sense that. What do you think? Yeah, they're encouraging regional organisers to experiment with the format, aren't they? So they're providing some training and guidance, but overall they want the regional ones to, like there might be, a, if there's an area with lots of WooCommerce people, there might be a WooCommerce one or whatever specific area people are interested in in that region. So I think they, they're aware that since the pandemic, the flagship ones are back with a vengeance, but the regional ones yeah. are far, far fewer than they were before the pandemic. So I think it's good that they're trying to encourage people to do more. And it kind of makes sense to encourage the uh, diversification of different formats and things. But I have some concerns about doing that regionally because you're going to alienate other people if you can't even get people to go to a general WordPress event or to organize a general WordPress event in a region why would they do something really niche it, I don't know if that's the solution but um, I'm all for experimenting and um, encouraging people to organize local events so Tom I, I think isn't it just um, a consequence of COVID really I, I think churches are Live weekly, I've seen declines in attendance in people. It's kind of, I'm not sure if you can get it back. I'm not even sure you should. You know, I think aiming for like more national. Yeah, sorry, go on, Tom. Well, I, I'm going to be transparent and vulnerable here, but I feel like I, I just went to WordCamp US, which I didn't see Spencer at, unfortunately. And, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> And I will tell you, though, I had to like mentally get myself ready. And I had traveled a couple times since COVID, but my traveling, I mean, I used to travel a lot before COVID. And I have gotten, I, I maybe you can call it lazy or complacent or just comfortable, just virtually meeting with people. And it's like, I got to like, okay, I got to get ready. I got to buy the tickets. I got to plan the trip. And so it's like, there's a mental amount of energy that you have to fight to get back into the pattern. Now I'm going to WordCamp Atlanta um, in October. So I'm going to go to, I'm going to another one right off the heels of us, but I have been a long time advocate that these conferences need to mature. The WordPress space is maturing, right? As you mentioned, automatic nearing that, you know, massive valuation and IPO and and all that kind of stuff. This space is going to turn into a, um, it's going to mature into an ecosystem, I think eventually similar to like what Dreamforce is with Salesforce, you know? And I think that as, and I've long said this, you know, I, I was, I had the fortune of being in an industry Prop tech and was the first worked at the first company that IPO'd in that space. Now there's multiple IPOs, billions of dollars in investment money in it. And that space, what used to be relegated as like sort of a niche industry, is huge now in the last 10 years. That is going to happen when IP when automatic or WP engine IPO, right? There is going to be a change in outside monies. Um and and 
you know, perception of the space. And that is going to bring with it many other companies that are going to be investing in the WordPress space. And that is going to radically change the money that goes into these local events because more and more people are going to want to connect with the community and the influencers and the consumers in the space. Uh, and so I think that is the future of this is going to evolve. So, Spence, um, I was thinking the solution might be instead of cities, you have state word camps, like you have word camp California, word camp Nevada, or, you know, a city. I, I just think it's just too localized, really. Um, and, but you could have the resources and have people put the money. If you had like word camp California, that that might be worth the effort, wouldn't it? I don't know. I was just putting that out, Spencer. Um, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not saying that's a bad idea. I don't think that's a benefit or a solution I would look towards. I like to take what Tom just said, and I'm going to expand it back to where I was suggesting about the leadership issue. Salesforce's Dreamforce works because Benioff owns the IP and built a community and an energy around Carnival. If you've ever been to Dreamforce, and I have, it is not anything like you've ever seen. It's like Vegas on steroids for a weekend. Now, when I went to San Diego, and there's 400 of us at WordCamp US, I was sad, but it was very intimate. This one was much nicer because there was 2,000 plus, but it was in a venue where you really couldn't tell it was WordPress, Schmerdpress. It was just a beautiful venue. When you go to Dreamforce, you are at Disneyland. Now, what I think the idea is, is that let's say some of us all banded together on the .org side and decided to do exactly as Tom said. We grapple a hold of the IP that's open for all of us. We get a community of the leadership who's made the, the software and the things that are leading in the hosting and the, you know, optimization, all the, we put everybody in the same place they would be like with the Dreamforce when it comes to being able to market and sell and a consortium and an organized way to build something, then we go ahead and attract the kind of interest from IPOs and so forth. Because at that stage, we can do a dream force and we can pay money to bring in less privileged people from around the world to one gigantic event in America, maybe a second gigantic event in Europe. And it's a real thing versus these regional things. I've been to several of them. They're cute. But I'm, I'm like, Tom, I'm not going to schlep out of my house to go to WordCamp Austin, Texas or something, unless it's like half of the country or the world is there. It's just not worth it. But on the other hand, Dreamforce was not that much more per ticket. And even with the threat of San Francisco's violence and the, you know, COVID before, like everybody goes there and it's like unbelievable. So this bottom is line. This is an interesting point. So basically, you're, what you're saying, and this is, I hadn't really realized this, you're saying that basically the mentality has shifted to it's really going to diminish these interim word camps that are not of a certain threshold. Um, and people are going to just flock to the, the big ones and make them bigger, like Europe and Asia and U.S. Well, I'm saying that plus steroids. I'm saying what we should actively do, and I say we, those who contribute to WordPress.org, or in the ecosystem. We make the stuff, we sell the stuff, we use the stuff. We need to take leadership back, ownership back, because we're the ones who made it, we're the ones that support it, we're the ones doing the stuff in it. And if we set up that structure, what I am saying is, 
we can create a Dreamforce environment, a marketplace like Mark Benioff has done, but we can still have all the benefits of the true purpose behind what was originally created, open source software. And that will allow us financially to afford to create gigantic twice a year events, once in America, once in Europe, maybe a third in Asia, that we can use the money for good purposes to bring less privileged people into a large event because we, we give out ticket money or we give out whatever. Right now, there's so many false premises and so much nonsense happening. And like you said, Tom, you can't really bring in the energy of an IPO when nobody is clear who owns it. Number two, there's an Achilles heel you can't ignore that anybody can take the IP and just do a Red Hat Linux thing on WordPress. As soon as WordPress.org or .com does something clever, unless the people making it are on board to benefit, somebody else can come in and say, I'm going to take all you people and we're going to run with it ourselves. And that's an undeniable problem that I'm sure Audrey Capital and Automatic are aware of. That's why they're acting in such a a non-logical way. They realize the liability they have is that the software is open source. Benioff can sue the hell out of anybody. Bill Gates could sue the hell out of anybody. Elon Musk could sue the hell out of anybody. Like, they all have leverage. Matt, Matt Mullenweg, and, and this is open source. Anybody can do whatever we want to do with it. And I think that would be really cool because I would love a Las Vegas style event where it was like the banners and the fun and the activity and everybody going wild and bringing everybody from around the world to actually meet people who like Shah Jahan Jules team, you know, he's got 500 people working for them. Let's get them all on a plane and bring them in so they can experience the customers and everything else. But yeah. going out, going out to a regional event, nah, who's going to do that? Yeah, I see where you're coming from. I, 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 like I said, I, I just saw if you had like bigger regional events. I think that going to something like um, WordCamp Sacramento, which was the de facto because of Word WordCamp US used to be based in San Francisco, it, it became the de facto, and then you had Orange County. Uh, I just don't see that. I just don't see it playing out, really. It's not going to happen in today's world because they have a liability. Tom recognizes this. I think Katie can speak to this. You and Kurt and I all talk about it all the time. Their liability is they started something that wasn't monetized. They started something that wasn't licensed. Now they have a problem because that genie being out of the bottle, they have to do weird stuff that doesn't work in today's economy to try to monetize it. And that's different than the rest of us who've had to kind of figure out monetization on our own, like without a life raft. I think that's the real bigger issue. If you had code that you could sell to enterprise and you could charge a per seat fee like Salesforce, you'll be able to afford to buy a billion dollar tower. But that's not what WordPress dot whatever is right now. It's just code that any of us can take. So it needs to be delivered in a way that enterprise could monetize and sponsors could get behind. Well, I see where you come from. Um, uh, before we go to our next and final story, uh, um, I just feel um, I, I think Automatic could have um, concentrated on WooCommerce, and um, but the problem was they didn't really have a great paid website builder, and that's like the yellow brick road, Dorothy, and the yellow brick road, in my opinion. Uh, um, basically, nobody, nobody expected it to get this far. 
you know, no, that's true. But they could have, con- you know, I think Automatic could have concentrated on building a, a great platform with WooCommerce. Look at the money Shopify is making. Um, I, but I think in the end, it really depends on the major hosting companies and the major plug-in shops. Have they just got fed up with MacMahon eggs antics? Have they got to, you know, there's always that business balance, you know, we don't want to rock the ship, but but this guy, he, he he's too hot to handle. He's become a he's become a bit, you know, and because they can in the end attempt I think, to I do- think it's just the deliverable mechanism is not standardized. Like when enterprise buys stuff, pays those big licenses, they're not paying for the code. They're paying for the personal support and the guarantee that stuff is going to work before they invest in it. And the architecture is part of it, but many of their technicians on the architecture side, the engineers are agnostic, who just become familiar with the code. But in WordPress, you have so many variables and so many random things happening, and there's no way for a large company other than through an agency that charges them up the wazoo to get anything close to a normal enterprise relationship. And that's where the real big money is at. If we had a standardized delivery mechanism with per C pricing, that would draw lots of money. But there's too much uncertainty in the market right now. And that's what I think they're recognizing. This needs to be turned into a different kind of a marketplace than it is today. It can't be a flea market of 70,000 random parts. It has to be a standardized set of features that people can still add stuff to, but that have a, a funnel through which things get filtered and yeah, I, I think more happiness. And, yeah, yeah, I see where you're coming from. Right. I mean, well, it, may, it may never happen because who, you know, like, who, who the hell? I mean, not everything has the IPO, but you know, yeah. Right now, it's tinkerer's heaven. Yes. All right. On to the. I'm going to make the final story, um, and that's Elon Musk, Walter <sighs> Ellison's official biography. Um, I ha- I have got the audio book. It's very long. I've been this. Been, I still haven't got to the end of it. I'm plowing through it. Um, you know, is he the Henry Ford of the modern days? Hey, Katie, what do you reckon of our beloved Musk, our beloved Elon, the uh, owner of X? What do you reckon? I actually quite like him. I know most people don't seem to, especially since the Twitter acquisition, but I think he is one of the few visionaries of our times. We talked earlier about Apple and how they're just evolving existing plugins and they've lost their visionary um, side of things they got from Steve Jobs and that. Whereas Elon Musk has shown he's one of the few people in the world that can make these things happen come up with these um, ideas and part, all part of a long-term strategy um, so with some obsession with Mars, which I don't quite get, but is everything he does is part of a big long-term picture about allowing human civilization to continue beyond the Earth um, to prevent extinction, basically, and everything is about that. And I think it's incredibly clever and that we don't have many people like that in the world that have that level of vision and also the skills and the drive and everything, all the many moving parts that come together to make these the, things happen. The money. So, mm. the, the money. money. <laughs> yeah. And money, which he keeps building off his own volition um, in order to make more and more happen. with, And all these companies actually are part of that big vision, which I think is really clever. But I know most people don't agree with that at the moment. Oh, well, Kurt, 
it kind of it's a strange concoction. He strikes me like that that villain from the um, um, uh, oh um, Blade Runner too, doesn't it? That you know, there's a bit of that. I forgot what the character's name. There's a you know, it, there's a side of him that I find very disturbing, um, but there's another side that Katie's just pointed out. But there, there seems, and I think Walter kind of remarked about that in the interviews that he's done. That there's 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 two real two sides of Elon Musk, isn't it? What do you reckon, Kurt? I'm always amazed at how we like to pick people apart or poke fun at them or examine them or, or tear them up. Right. I look at what Elon's done and it's like, there's people driving through tunnels under Las Vegas. You know, there's, there's, uh, I was just down last year in uh, Waco, Texas, and I thought there was an earthquake, but it wasn't, it was, they were test firing one of those engines for SpaceX. Right. And it's like, all of this stuff is happening and there's someone at the forefront of that. Now, did that cyber truck look atrocious to me? Absolutely. What did I think it was folly? Yes. But think about all the other things that happened with Tesla and now the whole automotive industry with this EV push that I am not a fan of is converting over to using his adapter and charging system and all of these things. He's forging a way that people will follow and people don't like this Twitter thing. Like there's a lot of people saying they don't like Twitter, but then look at the numbers. I'm back on it. I wasn't on it before he bought it. I'm back on it. I see Katie on it all the time. I see, you know, I see all these people using it and using it well. So the system's working, even though we reduced it by 80% of its overhead. It's like, wow, that's pretty cool. So I don't know. I'm kind of a fan. I, I go with the idea of, of, is he an innovator? Yes. Is it, you know, to Tom's point with Apple, right? Is it, is it like a revolution or an evolution, right? And I, and I think that he's still in that revolutionary stage of development as a person that brings these things to the table. And it's, I kind of admire it. Now, does that, also foster weird personality ticks and strangeness and when you have billions of dollars do you act outside of society's norms yeah probably i'll let you know when i get my first billion dollars how i act yeah i'd see where you totally gone the problem is that you know there's the kind of eugenic thing that he dabbles with you know it's his personal life having nine kids that's up to him and i couldn't care less as i'm not paying for him uh, um and then uh, um you got his kind of libertarian aspects, but then um, which kind of annoys me because I I knew a couple of people in the Nevada state legislature when Tesla got over a billion dollars subsidy from the Nevada state government. I know some of the background of that negotiation, and um, he's really very eager to suck at the tit of subsidised federal gov- state and federal government. He, he, there isn't a subsidy, but then he's all about this libertarian stuff, which is a contradiction in my mind. But that's my take on it a little bit, Kurt, but there we yeah. go. Um, so, Tom, you know, he strikes me as a kind of modern-day Henry Ford, but Henry Ford was much, much darker than even Elon. When you look at the background, the attitudes and faults of Henry Ford, but with the genius. Well, know. I mean, look, look at, uh, you know, I mean, look at Thomas Edison and Tesla. I mean, Edison was electrocuting elephants in public to, to you know. <laughs> oh, the What's the guy that is shooting them? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, uh, so, yeah, I, 
I, I can't get over that. I can never <laughs> forgive Game Daddy. People say, oh, that he's no longer, but he's shot bloody elephants, that geezer. You know, what a creep. But, yes. But, uh, uh, you know, the uh, the other thing, too, I think is, you know, it's interesting as you were talking. I, I think there is a, um, with these people who are in business who then venture into politics, like, I mean, you see it with like, I mean, it's Trump did this, Vivek did this, you know, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy and and Elon Musk. And it's like, they will leverage every loophole benefit and whatever that they can do in their business so that their business can succeed, but then wind up having slightly different, you know, policies when they come into Nothing matches, does it? Nothing actually. Public light. And I, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I mean, it's like, you know, yeah, I would, I would, I would apply for a subsidy to help Convesio if there was one, you know? So it's like, I mean, I, I, I guess I don't fault him for that, but, you know, we live in a world, he is a big dreamer. I, one of the things I'm, I, I'm just blown away by him is his ability to dream big ideas. Like, becoming an interplanetary species. And we don't have enough people dreaming big enough in the world. Uh, and so I, I appreciate that aspect of it. Right. We're going to end the show now. Spence had to go a bit early, but um, I think it's been a fabulous show. So, Tom, what's the best way for people to find out more about you and what you're up to, Tom? Sure. You can go to convesio.com and if you have a problem child website that's not performing well or scaling well, you can email me at tom at convesio.com and I will freely help you. I cannot, I highly recommend Conversio and Tom's team. Tom's a great guy and suppose if you've got a really complicated website, I've got no problem recommending that you go over to the, him and his team. So, Katie... What's the best way for people to find out more about you and what you're up to? Well, you can check out my company and our products at barn2.com or to see my random thoughts about WordPress and business. My Twitter is Katie Keith Barn2. And I just want to say, I hope that Barn2 continues and grows because um, the the quality of Katie's team and what they do. They, they, they as an independent code shop, they really show the quality what's in the WordPress. So um have a look at what they've got to offer. I highly recommend them. And Thank Kurt, you. what what is the best way people can find out more about you and what you're up to, Kurt? Well, Jonathan, I'm really active on LinkedIn, so that's kind of my social media of choice. Uh, Kurt Von Onnen, I'm the only Kurt Von Onnen there, so when you find me, connect, and uh, we'll stay connected and maybe communicate. Also, Manana Nomas, uh, the website is the uh, webs, uh, manananomas.com, and then I have the Manana Nomas podcast. And Kurt's got an enormous amount of knowledge in the e-learning, um, corporate learning space, so if you need a consultant, um, approach him. Um, we're going to Wrap it up. It's been a great show. I think we covered some, we had some interesting insights. I think it was an honest and constructive discussion. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Please re give your remarks on the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the WP Tonic YouTube channel. It really helps the podcast and the channel. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. We really do appreciate it. Why not visit the Mastermind Facebook group and also to keep up with the latest news, 
click wp-tonic.com forward slash newsletter. We'll see you next time.